Okay. All right. Okay. We've, has anybody, does anybody know what surfing is? There we go. That's better. Okay. Well, welcome. We are starting a new series today called Hang 10. All right. And that's kind of an, uh, a surfing uh, illus- uh, illusion. And, and what it is, hanging 10 means, man, you got your feet out on the edge of the board and, and you are just, um, you're going for it. You're, you're getting that board position in the wave where you can catch the full power of the wave. And you're just, man, you're just after it. You're not just settling for skimboard. Anybody know what a skimboard is? Has anybody ever been to the ocean? Anybody here ever seen a beach? All right. I know we're in East Texas here. Okay. But but I'm telling you, man, you can um, hang 10 means that you're just out on the edge. You're not just settling for normal. And how many people know today that that's how God looks at us? He doesn't want us to be people who settle for normal. Amen? How many us just do away with normal? How about that? Does that sound all right for everybody? We're going to do away with that. God, uh, God doesn't want us to just have a normal relationship with Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to just go through the motions. He doesn't want us to be people who just believe in Jesus. And, and if you aren't, aren't on track with us for the first two uh, Sundays of this uh, month of this year, uh, Pastor Chris and I kind of set things up for this series and just encourage you to go back and to listen to, um, listen to those uh, sermons, those messages on our podcasts. But, but Jesus wants us to move from being believers in him to being disciples of Jesus, right? To being, to being people who are fully passionate, that we're hanging on to Jesus, we're, we're putting all of our confidence, all of our faith in him. And the scripture tells us that we are given the power, we're given the authority, and we're given the command to be disciples and to make disciples. In Matthew chapter 28, it says like this, it reads like this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that a great promise that Jesus will never leave us? He'll always be with us, even to the very end of time. You know, what we read here is that Jesus is serious about this discipleship stuff. That he doesn't take it lightly, that it's, that it's his plan for you and for me, and it's his plan for the entire world, is that people become disciples. We are, um, we've been uh, th- reading through, as a, as a staff, as leadership, uh, a book by Dennis Rouse called, um, called Ten Qualities of a Disciple. And basically, over the next 10 weeks, we're going to be processing through, we're going to be following along with uh, some of the things that he lays out about traits that move us from being a, uh, a believer. How many people know just, we don't want to just be believers, but to be disciples, okay, to be disciples. And he lays out these 10, these 10 statements, kind of contrasting a believer with a disciple. And I want to just read through those for us this morning. Okay, you ready? You're taking notes? Okay, if, if uh, everybody taking notes, you got your pen, your notepad, your, uh, your phone, whatever you're taking notes there. If you're not taking notes, um, take notes. Okay, here we go. So a believer, okay, believers believe in Jesus as Savior, but they live to please themselves. They live to please themselves. Man, I, I'm telling you, there have been plenty of times in my walk with the Lord that I've just been a believer. But disciples believe in Jesus as Lord and live to please God. 
Number two, believers exalt their opinions and feelings and thoughts above the word of God. It's, it's how I feel about it. It's what I want to do. It's what's in my heart, my desires. But disciples exalt the word of God above their opinions, their thoughts, and their feelings. And so through the years, the way we've described that is we stand under the authority of the word of God and it interprets our lives instead of us interpreting the Bible. Amen? Do we get that? God's word rules in our lives. Okay, so that's, that's how disciples live. Third, believers think of church as a place they go to hear what God's word says, but disciples think of a church as they go a church as a place they learn to do what God's word says. How many people know there's a big difference between hearing and doing? Okay? Hearing and there's a big difference there. Four, that believers are accountable only to themselves. But disciples are accountable to everyone. Believers just live for themselves, but disciples know that they've been placed on planet Earth. They live for such a time as this to impact and to minister to every person that they meet. Number five, does believers serve God if it's convenient? And I would highlight that word, circle that word, if it's convenient. But disciples serve God based on conviction. Now, I, I could stop right here and preach a whole sermon on serving God when it's convenient, when it's not raining, when I, when I don't have an ache in my back, when I, you know, when I have time, when the game's not coming on, and on and on and on. But that's, not, that's how believers live, and I know that's, we don't want to just be believers. We're going to be disciples, amen? And disciples live based on conviction. We serve God based on conviction that he's got a plan and a purpose for our lives, Number six, believers try to impress God by being religious, but disciples, but disciples seek to know God through a relationship, a relationship. I'm just telling you, God, we heard it all morning this morning, God wants a relationship with you. Believers follow God as long as everything's going well. No, oh, the, the bills are paid, the relationships are good, oh, everything's great, the weather's good, then I'll serve you, God. But disciples follow God regardless of the circumstances. How many, time, how many people know that sometimes there's going to be some rough circumstances in life? There's going to be some difficult times. There's going to be some things we're going to overcome if we're going to be overcomers. Amen? Amen. So believers choose their own path and ask God to bless it. I've got to tell you, when I read through this list, this one punches me kind of in the gut. Uh, how many times have I said, hey, God, here's where I'm going. Here's what I'm doing. Now, bless it, Lord. Anybody else ever done that? Oh, and, but that's not how disciples live, do we? Disciples ask God to reveal the path, and then they follow it. Believers are full of pride if they're doing well and self-pity if they're doing not. if they're not. But disciples are full of gratitude because God's love never fails. Anybody thankful that God's love never fails? Woo, come on. We should be a lot happier about that. Amen. Amen. And finally, um, believers follow the example of the world that seeks to go higher, but disciples follow the example of Jesus to humbly go lower. Disciples, people really in an intimate, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ, understand that humility is the way that God then chooses to exalt us. So we choose to continually submit ourselves to God, submit ourselves to his word, submit ourselves to his purposes for our life. Amen? So do we see the contrast between believers and disciples? Uh, I certainly hope so. 
in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says this. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus is saying that, that, hey, listen, this issue of discipleship, it's going to cost you something. It's going to take some commitment. It's going to take some effort. And, and let me just say this. Nobody can do discipleship for you. We can't preach enough sermons. We can't plan enough groups. We can't provide enough material. It has to be your choice, and what a great choice that it is. I believe that God has an amazing plan for each and every one of our lives. That God wants to bless our lives. God wants to pour things into our lives. He wants to build intimacy with us, but it has to be done on his basis and on his terms. You see, it's his love, it's his grace, it's his mercy, his plan, his way. And can I tell you this? That his way is much more than just being a believer. It's all about being a fully committed disciple of Jesus Christ. So um, uh, now listen, if you're taking this kind of survey in your mind and you're going, wow, wait a minute, that's kind of heavy. I kind of feel like I line up over here with being a believer and maybe I'm not lining up with being a disciple and, and you're starting to feel a little discouraged, stop right there. Don't get discouraged. Don't, don't, don't get upset. Don't get fearful because everybody starts as a believer. Every single one of us starts as a believer. And we're going to start right where we are, right here today, and we're going to move into a greater place of discipleship. Amen? Amen. You see, Jesus doesn't want just part of our life. Jesus, does, Jesus doesn't want to be an add-on in our life. He wants to be everything in our life. You know, uh, years ago, in, in just a few days, um, I'm going to be leaving, and what an honor it is to be able to, uh, to represent New Covenant Church. Uh, Pastor Chris is down here clapping. woo so I am, I'm, I'm so honored to get to go to India and to represent the Lord, but represent New Covenant Church, and, and I really am. I'm thankful for an amazing team, for leadership like Chris and like the rest of the staff and leadership that I, that I know that God's just going to keep things moving forward in these few days while I'm gone. But years ago, I got to go with Brother Walker to um, India, and we had um, this experience where they provided a car for us. We were doing these conferences and ministering, and, and um, as I, um, every day I'd get in the car and I'd noticed that this taxi driver had these little idols sitting on his dashboard. And so one morning, I got out a little bit early and went out there, and he was still, the smoke was still inside the car where he had been offering incense and prayers to, to all of his gods. And little by little, I'd been talking to him about Jesus. And I said, hey, you know, I, I really want to talk, tell you how much Jesus loves you. And Jesus is all-powerful, and he can do more than all of these gods put together. And I asked him, I said, would you like to ask Jesus to come into your life? And he says, oh, yes, yes, I would love Jesus to come. I'm like, yeah, what? oh, praise the Lord, this is great, God. He goes, yes, I want everything Jesus can add to my life along with the other gods. I was going, wait a minute, he's not getting it. That Jesus isn't an add-on. He's just not just another one. You, you see, this taxi driver said, yeah, I want Jesus for what he can do for me. Now, how many of us have ever wanted Jesus just for what he can do for us? Oh, Jesus, fix me, save me, forgive my sins, help me, heal me. But this whole thing of following you and laying down your life, man, I'm just not so sure about this. You see, this is how people in the Bible treated Jesus. 
there were many times when Jesus would do great things. He'd do miracles. He'd, do you remember the story when he broke the bread and fed all those people and the crowds followed him? And so everywhere that Jesus went, they would follow Jesus along this little pathway and they'd say, maybe he'll do another trick for us. Maybe he'll do another miracle for us. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll bless us with some more fish and a little bit more bread and he'll make our tummies feel good. Maybe he'll do a bunch of good things for us. And as long as he does good things for us, we'll follow him. And every time those crowds gathered because of that, Jesus would start to lay some heavy stuff on them. He'd start to begin to challenge them. And, and he, he, it was almost like he was anti-crowd. But can I tell you that it wasn't that Jesus was against the crowds. Jesus just wasn't concerned about building crowds. He was concerned about building big people. Because his plan was to take those people and through those people change the world. And can I, can I, I believe today... Can, that that's still God's plan. It's great when we gather together as a crowd, but God's plan is not just about building crowds and, and building big churches and building big, big event, doing big events. God's plan is about building big people who have a passionate relationship with Jesus, who really want their lives to count and to make a difference. That's the only way that the world's going to change. He's looking for that in you, and he's looking for that in me. And so Jesus says, less than, anything less than a total commitment just isn't going to work. And folks, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but, but, but playing with Jesus and trying to mix a little Jesus with a little bit of everything else, it's just not going to work in your life. You're going to have highs and lows. Anybody ever had those kind of experiences? It's like being on a roller coaster. Oh, I'm doing really good with Jesus. Oh, man, the bottom fell out. And, and I'm telling you, it all settles, it all revolves around, are we going to be fully committed to Jesus Christ? Luke 14 puts it like this. It says, now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's pretty hard stuff. That's pretty in-your-face kind of stuff. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He goes on to say, you've got to count the cost. You've got to count the cost. You see, this is a, this is a huge challenge. It, it may even seem unreasonable to say, wait a minute, we've got to forsake everything to follow you, Jesus? You know, we've got to lay down our lives, give it all up. How many people know that every week we're faced with this challenge? Every week, corporate America. Does anybody here have a job? That explains the offerings right there. That's, that's right there. That's right. So that's right. <clears throat> Every week we get this challenge from corporate America. Every week. Come and lay down your life on a job for 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 hours a week. In exchange for laying that down, we're going to give you some money. We're, we're, we're going to give you some money. And, or they say, hey, you want some product? You want some clothes? You want some food? You want some of this? We'll come and give of that money, right? And then we'll give you something. And Jesus says, why? so then we don't think it's bad for corporate America to ask for that. Why is it that when Jesus asks for that, we go, oh, I don't know about that. That's too big. That's too hard. That's too difficult. That's unreasonable. Listen, it's not unreasonable at all when the offer that Jesus makes to us is abundant life now and abundant life in the life to come. Amen? I think Jesus makes the best offer of all. Uh, and so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I want people who will passionately respond to the offer that I make them. 
passion. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who will be passionate followers of his passion. Uh, in the uh, book that we're reading this uh, by Dennis Rouse, he defines passion like this. He says, passion is the pursuit that dominates our hearts and our, our hearts and our choices. It's the thing, the de real definition of passion says this, it's, it's a feeling of intense enthusiasm towards or a compelling desire for someone or something. Now, I tend to believe that all of us are passionate about something, okay? Uh, Ashley asked, has anybody ever been in love? And I can remember back in, um, in college when uh, somebody asked us about this, Yvette and I, somebody asked Yvette and I about this this week, uh, how did you all make, meet? And I was uh, taken back to those college days when I uh, met this young lady and saw her just kind of flittering across the parking lot in this white flowery dress. And, and um, I was like drawn into the spirit saying, oh, Jesus. Um, Maybe it wasn't exactly like that, but, um, you know, um, so I was, you know, man, and all of a sudden as our relationship developed, there was passion, you know, I, I thought about her all the time and, you know, I, I found no problem skipping classes to go and kind of accidentally be where she would be, you know, she was uh, not a class skipper, she was very responsible, but I felt freedom and liberty from, you know, legalism, religious activity, so, um, so I would, I would just, you know, Man, and passionate, and phone calls, and one summer while we were, um, I was working, and she was still in Tennessee at college, and, and uh, man, we would get on the phone and just talk for hours, and, and there was just this passion, this passion, and, and I've got to tell you, I'm still passionate about her. I, I love her. She's first place in my life. I mean, uh, um, right under Jesus, baby. Okay, he comes first, but, uh, but there's, there's something we're passionate about. In high school, I was passionate about basketball, and, and I would skip some school. There's a pattern here, isn't there? Um, I would skip school, and, and I'd take off, and I could run up to Philadelphia or drive up to Philadelphia and catch a Sixers game, and then I'd come back, and I'd, man, for all week, I'd talk about, oh, man, you should have seen Dr. J, man, and oh, Daryl Dog's Thunder, oh, it was great. Man, I'd be talking about these games. Hey, we're all passionate about certain things. The thing that we talk about, the thing that we think about, the thing that's on our heart and that's on our mind, those are the things that we're passionate about. We're willing to sacrifice for these things that we are passionate about. So my question today to myself and to each of us is, are we passionate about Jesus Christ? Does, does Jesus preoccupy your thoughts and and does Jesus, is he something that makes his way into the conversations in your school and in, in your classrooms and, and on your jobs and in your home? Are we passionate about Jesus? Well, I certainly hope so. I've got to tell you that in all honesty, God has been stirring me about being more passionate. Not, not, not just, oh, I know Jesus for a long time, but man, I want that passion renewed. Does anybody sense the Lord saying, man, it's time for a renewed passion, a renewal of passion, a renewal that, that Jesus just, man, he dominates every thought, every heartbeat, every activity of our lives. Man, I, I want that so, so very much. And, and so in this book, um, Dennis talks about, he says, there's, there's three areas that kind of show whether we're moving from being a a believer to a disciple, and if we're stepping into this passionate relationship with Jesus Christ, and I, um, I want us to just take a look at these three, three pretty, uh, pretty quickly here, okay? And let me say this, 
Um, I know some of you have a conviction about coming to church on Wednesdays, but um, we're wanting you to be freed from that, okay? And uh, we want to we we give you permission to be delivered from that in the mighty name of Jesus. And on Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday night, we're going to be having term groups, and the term groups are going to be very, very uh, closely tied to the messages. As a matter of fact, this Wednesday night, Pastor Chris will be leading a term group that will be talking about exactly what we're talking about here, hanging on to Jesus, being passionate about uh, your relationship with Jesus. I I challenge every person, every man, every woman, okay? The the boys and girls will already be in youth service, but all of you men and women, yeah, right, okay? uh, But but be here on Wednesday night. We're going to just take this to a deeper level, have a deeper time of looking at this process, and also some discussion, giving you the opportunity to ask some questions and get some answers. So so be um, be here on Wednesday night, all right? So characteristic number one, you ready? Pleasing God takes precedence over pleasing people. I think all of us would agree that Jesus deserves first place in our life, not just a place in our life. But, um, but I, I also think that we could agree, we, we would probably have to say yes, that at some way, in some point or another, all of us have had the lean to be people pleasers in our lives. We, we've, we've, we've said, well, somebody's going, well, I'm not me, I'm not a people pleaser. Well, if you're not a people pleaser, you're a you pleaser, and that's a people, okay? You're Okay. <laughs> And so you're either a people pleaser or a, or a self pleaser, but that's um, but but I'm just telling you that God says, hey, wait a minute, that that our focus needs to be pleasing God instead of others. And there's a whole lot, there's a whole lot I could say about this, but I, but let me just tell you that, and and I I recognize this, I've lived this, where that in my life there've been times where I've wanted to do what people wanted me to do to please them and and to get something from them, to get acceptance or to get friendship or get people to hang out with me and. And how many times have we heard the story of, oh, there's a young person, and they're, man, they're on fire for Jesus, and, and all of a sudden, a, another person, a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, comes into their lives, and their attention goes from Jesus to, ooh, Jesus, you know, I mean, right, I mean, and there's distraction that takes them away, and all of a sudden, their focus and their passion shifts from God to people. And, and, and how many times compromise, and, and we compromise our morals, and compromise our values, and compromise our identity just to get somebody to be our friend or to give us some acceptance. And, and there's all kinds of things that go on here. You know, we don't get what we feel like we want from our parents, from our fathers or our mothers, and so we look to people to get it. And can I tell you today that that will never satisfy. The only place we're ever going to get what we need is when we focus fully on Jesus Christ and put Him first and foremost. Luke 14, 26, again, reminds us, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother, his father and his mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, again, God's not saying, hey, hate your parents. Some of the teenagers are going, hate parents. <laughs> listen, mom, listen, dad, you know what Pastor Sam said, right? The Bible says, well, he's not saying hate your parents. What he's saying is that in, that in comparison to your commitment to Jesus Christ, everything else, every other relationship pales in comparison. You see, a a disciple puts God first. He seeks him first. He, He trusts him. He trusts him in every area of his life to bring the right relationships at the right time. Amen? 
So we're not just out scouting around. We're not just out, well, I'm, I'm just evangelistically dating. That's why I'm out at the bar, and that's why I'm out at the club. You know, I'm looking for an opportunity to help draw somebody to Jesus, and Jesus make him good looking, right, you know? Man, no, 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 no. We are seeking the Lord. We're seeking God. We're trusting him for timing in our lives. And so let me just ask you, and, and let me throw this in there. How many times do we please people? Do we seek to avoid conflict by just saying, I'm just going to do what the group wants or the people wants so that I won't be ostracized or pushed aside? I tell you, we, we want to be people who seek to please God first. So let me ask you, is God the most rep- important relationship in your life? Does he take priority over every other relationship? Number two, okay, a second characteristic or trait. We follow God regardless of the cost. Luke 14, 27, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I've got to tell you that there is a point. There's a point in every follower of Jesus Christ's life where he's going to put his hand on, he's going to put his finger on something in your life. And and usually it's that one thing. (laughs) It's one thing. He's going he's gonna to be like the, the story of the young, you remember the, the rich young ruler, Matthew, where he says, oh, the guy comes to him and what can I do to be your, your, your follower of you, Jesus? And Jesus says, oh, do this, this, and this. He says, I've done it all. And Jesus says, you've done well, but there's one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And the guy went away sad. You know why? Because his attention, his focus was on this money. Was on his the money was his security, but God loves us enough to reach into our lives and and put His finger on that one thing and and probably each and every one of us already right now know what that one thing is. We sense it. We understand it. Is it security? Is it identity? Is it um, is it a certain position or a relationship? And God's saying, Hey, would you give me this one? thing? Will, will, will you trust me with this one thing? I've had this happen multiple, multiple times in my life. I can remember just time after time after time I, of the, the Lord just saying, this one thing, will you give up this one thing? I was working in, um, as I was going to college, I was working for a place called Safeway. Anybody ever heard of Safeway? Okay, um, and so, man, I was, you know, I was, had the union job, making the big money and all this kind of stuff, and I can remember the Lord saying one day, hey, Sam, would you give up Safeway to go my way? <laughs> would you go to college? I thought, wow, Lord, I don't know, man. So I went in and resigned. I turned, told the, the, the manager and the assistant manager, and this is, this is absolutely true. This is a true story. This is not a preacher story. This is a true story. This is... Um, I went in and I said, um, I said, hey guys, guess what? I'm, I said, uh, you know, I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm growing and, and I believe God wants me to go to Bible college, so I'm resigning. They said, Fisher, you're a fool. You're, you're the next person in line for full time and, and here you are, 18 years old and man, you could be set for life, man. You, you could be making big money, have great opportunities and you could have all your dreams and you're, you're, you're a fool. You're an idiot, man. You're going to regret this. I said, well, all I can do is do what God said. It, it was one thing. I'm laying this job down. Can I tell you this? 
Safeway, where I lived, went out of business, and Jesus is still in charge. Amen? <laughs> so so, um, yeah, so uh, I'm just telling you, there's going to be times when God's going to do that, when he's going to put his finger on one thing, one thing. I, I wonder, I wonder um, what the one thing is that he's putting his finger on in your life. And, and today, he's, he's kind of asking you, are, are you willing? Are you, are you willing to lay that one thing down? I trust in my job. I trust in my finances. I trust in my, my position. I, I trust in the way that I live my life. Because right now it provides me comfort. It provides me security. It, man, it gives me, you know, the safety. And Jesus is saying, will you lay this one thing down? Look, look time after time in our lives, we're going to come to this point. E- even now. I mean, honestly, even now, just... Tr- this transition and, and stepping, going, being away from uh, the family here for 10 or 11 days and being away from, from Yvette and from the grandkids. I mean, I just, and the kids too. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to injure my children here. You, I'll miss you all as well. <laughs> and, and you guys. I mean, but, but can I tell you, it's one of those things the Lord said, hey, here's something. I put a dream in your heart, but the only way you're going to have that dream fulfilled is by opening up your hands and laying some things down. You see, being a disciple of Jesus, it's not, it's not about ease and comfort. It's about, it's about conviction. It's about willingness to trust God from level to level to level. So today, let me ask you, is there one thing, is there one thing that he's calling you to lay down, to give up so that you can go forward? Let, let me say this, all right? Let me, we're going to wrap up and close right here now, but If you'll do this, can I tell you that every time God's put his finger on one thing, and I've said yes. Now, there have been some times I've said no. And let me warn you, every time you say no to the drawing, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you know what you're doing? You're hardening your heart. You're making it more difficult to say yes the next time. I want want to get in the practice of always saying, yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Amen? Because if you do that, God will lead you into the most amazing, incredible, exciting life that you can imagine. It'll go beyond anything you, under, you can ever understand. And so in Matthew 19, he sums it up like this. He says, and anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands, all those things, <laughs> right? He says this, for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold, a hundredfold I like the translation that says a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. God, you can't outgive God. How many people know you can't outgive God? Man, you can't outgive God. Never seen it happen. Number three, life becomes extraordinary. And, and I really will wrap it up with this scripture in Romans chapter 12 from the message. It says this. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Stay with me, folks. You hear what he's saying? Are you willing to take your everyday life and place it before God as an offering? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed. You'll be changed from the inside out. 
readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Folks, I'm telling you, God has an extraordinary life, a life beyond normal, a, a life beyond ordinary planned for each and every one of you. And I don't want to see one person, not one man, one woman, one boy or girl, miss God's extraordinary plans and purpose for your life. Man, I'm telling you, it'll be the greatest thing that you've ever experienced. I really do. I've got this sense, Chris, I've got this sense in my heart. What would it be like? What would it be like if, if every Sunday when we came in here that there were, there were people who had given everything to God, they, they'd laid it all down, they didn't hold anything back, and, and the passion of Jesus Christ filled their lives. And every time we came in, there were passionate worshipers from the front to the back. Everybody was going for it. Everybody was serving Jesus. Everybody was worshiping Jesus. Everybody was loving people. Man. Would that be? Folks, don't miss next week. Do not miss next Sunday. Let repeat it with me. Do not miss next Sunday. Be, be here, guys. I'm telling you. Can you imagine what our culture, what our community would be like if we unleashed a couple, a few hundred people that were passionate about loving God and loving people in our community? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what our homes would be like if Moms and dads and, 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 and brothers and sisters were, were passionate about giving Jesus their everything at home and at school, at work, in every place that they went. Passionate, passionate, passionate. Parents, passionate about raising godly, powerful, mighty men and women for God. Folks, listen, this is God's plan. It's God's plan. And can I tell you this? If we'll say yes to it, all I can say is there's never been a yes with God that I've ever regretted. There's never been a yes. There's never been a yes that I've ever. He has blown my mind so many times, and I'm believing him to do it again and again and again. I believe he's going to do it for you, but you know what? You're the ones that have to say yes. If you say yes, I promise you he'll fill your life with excitement and he'll fill your life with blessings and he'll fill your life with joy like you, like you've never known. 